Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Stefan Levera podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today for episode 190, my guest is Raphael Schulze-Kraft. He's the CTO of Glassnode, and we're going to be exploring some of these questions around how many Bitcoins are being hodled, right? Because with Bitcoin, you can actually do some on-chain analysis and try to figure out how those coins are moving around. But first, a message on behalf of the show sponsors. So firstly, Swan Bitcoin. Swan is the best place to auto-stack your Bitcoin in the US. It's so simple, even a no-coiner could do it. Step one, auto-fund the USD from your bank account. Two, auto-stack your Bitcoin. And three, auto-withdraw to your Bitcoin cold storage. Swan does not charge withdrawal fees. They want you to follow best practices and hold your own keys. Swan have cheaper fees than Coinbase or Cash App. Set it and forget. Just enjoy your life. Just swan and chill. Go to swanbitcoin.com slash lavera to start auto-stacking with Swan today. Be sure to use the ref links, onebitcoin.com slash Levera, and you'll get $10 of Bitcoin dropped into your account. Have you looked into Unchained Capital? Bitcoin financial services delivered using multi-signature. You can set up a vault with yourself holding two keys, say one Trezor and one Ledger, and Unchained Capital can help you set up the two of three vault. And Unchained also offer loans as a product, so you can put up some Bitcoin and get USD without selling your Bitcoin. And it's stored on chain, it's dedicated multi-sig addresses, and it's never rehypothecated. So go and check them out. They've got incredible content on their website. And if you need a hand with setting up, they can offer that also. So go to unchained-capital.com for that one. Next up, for my Australian listeners, did you know you can buy Bitcoin with your superannuation? With a Bitcoin-friendly, self-managed super fund, you can. New Brighton Capital have streamlined the process. It's fast, it's affordable, easier than you think, and you still hold your keys. So as long as you are comfortable making the investment decisions, New Brighton Capital looks after the accounting and reporting for the fund. They offer a free 20-minute consultation, and if you use the code LAVERA, you get a credit off the monthly fees. So go to newbrightoncapital.com. All right, and I'm just going to bring in my guest now, Raphael. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Stefan. It's a pleasure. Excellent. So, Raphael, you're the CTO of Glassnode. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Glassnode? Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, so, um, yeah, my background is actually in computational neuroscience. Um, this is how I got into, you know, data modeling, machine learning, data analysis, everything that can be sort of like grouped into the umbrella of data science. I've been working as a data scientist for the last uh, seven years, I think. Um, and I co-founded uh, Glassnode um, two years ago with uh, my two partners from, from Switzerland. Um the idea behind it was um, to, what was born actually out of our own needs, um, right? We wanted to get hands-on um, good data um, as investors um, in this space. And um, we really, pretty fast, we settled on and focused on on on-chain data as, um, you know, a, a truly new kind of um, exotic um, data source um, that didn't exist before that you can't find in, in, in the finance, in the traditional markets. Um, and where we actually saw very early on that um, it contains um, a lot of potential, a lot of information and insights uh, for us to to make better decisions. Um, and so, um, yeah, we started to build out Glassnode uh, where we now offer, I don't know, I think 
right now it's more than 200 um, on-chain metrics um, that we serve through our platform um, and, and through our API. Um, we recently started to expand into derivatives as well. As you know, it sort of like goes into the realm of, of, of exotic data um, as well, um, but, but still focusing strongly on on-chain on, on metrics. Fantastic. And I think it's a really interesting world because for someone looking in from the outside, it would be like imagine money going from bank A to bank B is not accessible on a public ledger, but in the Bitcoin world, it is. So what are some of the things that we can see and ascertain in, you know, in the Bitcoin world? Yeah, so I think one of the you're completely right, right? It's it's like it's like imagine you know like an economy where you can actually see movements of cash from you know from 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 pocket A to pocket B or from bank account A to B. Um, and I think uh, one of the beautiful things about um, about Bitcoin and um, the the simplicity of of its design, it's it's actually it's UTXO based uh, um, uh, system, right? Um, what this allows you to do is um, is actually to really nicely um, look at each Bitcoin that lives on the blockchain um, by um, looking at how old uh, this Bitcoin is, right? How old the UTXO is, and um, and this allows you to compare and to 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 value things based on you know the lifespan of a particular Bitcoin. Uh, compare you know if it's being moved today. Um, what is today's price as compared to when it last moved, and so on and so forth. So um, this this actually results in, in in many different metrics that you can build upon um, this this idea of of of, of the UTXO based system. Excellent. So look, let's set up a little bit of the background and the context just for listeners. Let's say they don't really know too much about how Bitcoin works. They might have seen, okay, I want to send some Bitcoin, and I scan the address and I pay some Bitcoins to that address and then what's really going on there with the utxo and uh what's uh, the way that you would then try to understand what's going on with that sure so um the the basic atomic um a unit uh, on the blockchain is a utxo right it's an unspent transaction output um and 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 each utxo holds a particular amount of of um uh, bitcoin right so as a user as one that controls the keys to of an address uh, what you're actually controlling is um, the the accessibility or the spendability of a set of, of UTXOs, right? Um, and because it is um, the, an atomic unit, once when I send um, a Bitcoin, I'm actually spending the whole UTXO independent of how much value um, it it contains, right? It's it's as if you know I had um, a um, a ten dollar bill that I'm that I'm giving you, even though I just want to want to give you five dollars. So so I spent the whole UTXO that contains um, uh, the, those those ten dollars and and get five back in return. And this is sort of like a, a similar concept when you think about UTXO. The UTXO contains a value that you spend completely. Um, and uh, you get some uh, some in return, and that return 
creates actually a new UTXO. So what this allows you to do is each UTXO was created at some point in the past, right? Um, and you know whether, you know, this UTXO was created, I don't know, maybe uh, this UTXO that I, that I might be, you know, wanting to spend, whether it was might have been created an hour ago or a week ago or um, two years ago, right? Um, and so this allows for very, very interesting analyses um, in terms of, uh, you know, what is going on on, on, on chain and um, under the hood. Excellent. And so another interesting thing that is perhaps to an outsider is not so clear is this concept of addresses versus entities. Now, I guess, technically speaking, you send to an address, but you don't actually spend from an address. And this is kind of just like a, a mental, kind of like a model that block explorers have taught people, but it's not actually the case. It's actually, you're spending from a UTXO, right? And so can you just tell us a little bit about that idea and then how you try to understand the difference between an entity and then the UTXO piece? Yeah, sure. Of course. I think that's a, that's a very, uh, very important concept to understand. So if you think about Bitcoin, if you think about the network Bitcoin, uh, one of the fundamental questions that you, you want to answer is, uh, you know, how many how many users does it actually have? You know, how many participants are actually interacting with with a, with a, with a network or or how many uh, people actually own Bitcoin, right? How many? How many are actually hodling? And um, and and this is an, a, a question that 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 has been very difficult to answer because um, what the approximation has been until now is simply to look at addresses. The problem with that, we all know, is that you know you can control uh, more than one address, and um, there's also addresses that hold funds of multiple. Um, users so think about an, an, an exchange address, for for instance, right? Um, and so what we set out to do was to to come up with this concept of of, of an entity where we apply industry standard heuristics, um, clustering algorithms, in order to identify which are the addresses that are controlled by a single entity. Um, this has very um, very crucial implications on on how you look on chain, right? So if you if you think about simple things like like uh, volume, right, on chain volume, um, and and you're actually interested in real economic activity, right? I'm not I'm not really interested whether you know a an exchange is actually moving uh, right funds from one of their wallets to to another of the wallets. That's that's I mean. Yes, they have spent fees on to do this, but this doesn't really um, uh, right account for real economic activity, right? So what we're interested in is, you know, how much of what is being moved on chain does actually change hands, right? Um, and um, and this is the way that we try to approach this. Um, I think it's important to note that um, this is, of course, an an upper bound of of you know the amounts of entities, which is an up subset of the amount of of addresses. Uh, the real number much might, might be much much lower, but we're now much much closer to the actual number than the actual the actual uh, addresses can uh, can tell us. Excellent. So, what can you tell us in terms of what are the entities that are out there, and how how are you coming to some of these ideas around how many bitcoins are being hodled? Yeah, so I think um, 
you tr what we try to do is not to look at the network as a whole, right? There's, I mean, there's many, many metrics that then you know just take the whole set of UTXOs and and then you know com compute some aggregates, some metric on top of it. Um, what we really aim to do is with this concept of entities, and um, these can be you know known entities such as exchanges, such as miners, or unknown entities such as you know entities that have um, at least, um, you know, uh, that, that are controlling at least 1000 Bitcoin, which, you know, we, uh, we, we then, um, identify as whales. Um, for us, um, looking at Bitcoin from a macroscopic perspective and really understanding, you know, how much of all of these, um, are, are, are holding how many Bitcoins and what is actually the, the, the flow of coins between those different, um, entities. I think can can reveal a lot of very very interesting insights that that can have um, and, and you know like but um, potentially predictive power in terms of what is what is happening in the markets um, and the same holds for you know which are the ones that are short term holder hodlers right or short short term investors that are sort of like showing this short term um, uh, investor behavior versus. Um, all of those um, entities that, um, that 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 are more here for for the long haul. Yeah, and so how do you then distinguish between somebody who is say self spending, right? So I guess there might be behaviors that a person does within Bitcoin that may confuse this kind of metric. As a quick example, it may be that they are maybe upgrading their storage, maybe they had a single signature Trezor and now they want to put it into a multi-signature and they would send all their coins out of their you know, Trezor into their multi-signature setup, that might potentially confuse the metric a little bit. How, how do you try to, do you try to account for that or how, how does that work in your um, methodology? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think this is one of the the, the core implications of actually looking at not addresses but but at, at entities right um, I think volume is, is is a very good example um, if um, if an exchange is is is, is you know transferring um, or is creating a new hot wallet right this might actually add a lot of noise and and actually false positives to many of the metrics that, uh, that that we might be looking at if we don't account for these kind of things right it's like me you know, putting my money from my left pocket into my right pocket that's that's not real economic activity right so so what you try to do is really account for these kind of things so now that we know that you know a cluster of addresses is um controlled by the same entity we can actually adjust for that right we can say these in-house uh transfers as we call them um we will just discard them right um there's different things that you can do on top of it uh, we identify so-called relay addresses for instance so if i'm sending you a bitcoin then um this might actually not go directly from my address to your address but but there might be an intermediary address that is a, a, a one-time use address um, that just receives the funds and spends them immediately or you know within a couple of blocks. Um, and if you don't account for these kind of things, then that kind of volume might be might be counted twice, right? Um, and so what we have seen is that, um, and, and we, we published a report earlier this year, that um, up to 75% of all the volume being moved on chain is not does not really change hands does not really move hands so that's all internally within the entities um that 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 are sort of you know shuffling 
um, their, their their funds or 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 when where you know relay addresses um, are being are being used or change addresses as well, right? That's a big one as well. So so if 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 I get changed back, but that change is actually going into a newly created address because that's the wallet's behavior, which most of of of, of those um, work actually nowadays. Then then we account for all of those and. And then we we can adjust the metrics and not only volume, right? It can be coin is destroyed, soper, anything that um, that that is based on on spent bitcoins. We can actually adjust for. Excellent. And so, when it comes to Bitcoin on chain transactions, would it be fair to say that a lot of the actual volume is inter exchange? It's from one exchange to another, uh, and so that's kind of uh, there's like a lot of traders moving coins back and around, back and forward, and then I guess the other pattern would be people who are stacking, right? They're holding, they're they're um, accumulating bitcoins into their wallets. Would you say those are typical behaviors that you can see when you're looking on chain? There, there's a lot of that. There's definitely a lot of that. Um, we're actually now um, working on a metric that actually uh, defines that you know what we would call exchange dominance, right? How much of of the volume is actually you know either um, in-house exchanges that is something that happens a lot, right? So one exchange moving their funds internally, um, the other one is intra-exchange, right? So really uh, across different exchanges, and and then everything that goes in and out um, that accounts um, and I can't tell you um, a percentage percentage at this uh, at this stage, but that accounts for for a lot of of, of what is actually happening on chain in terms of uh, volume. Absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose the headline number in terms of what we were talking about today, how many Bitcoins are being hodled? I guess the main metric there is how long are people holding for? And what are some of the ways that you try to assess that? So for example, you might look on the chain and try to understand, oh, see, this coin has not moved for two years, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, I think those are the the, the you know the very straightforward ways um, to to assess the amount of hodl bitcoins, right? You look at at the age of of um, of all the UTXOs that have not been moved, um, you know, um, for over a year, over two years, over three years. Um, um, and that those are metrics that are essentially based on on, on the hodl waves, um, and um, and those give you um, a you know a very straightforward um, assessment of of how you know how much is actually being been hodled, right? Um, and if you look at the current numbers, then then you you'll you'll, you'll see that right um, all the ones that haven't been moved um, in over a year is is currently at all time high. I think sixty one percent or so, which um, is 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 quite a lot, right? Um, and and those that haven't been moved in in two years um, is 45%, so almost half half of the circulating Bitcoin supply, right? So nine million or so um, um, haven't been moved um, in in the last two years, which which really shows you um, a really good indication of um, of how much um, is 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 actually huddled. Um, and and of course those are not the only one, not the only ways in order to assess. Um, that amount, but but that's that's sort of like you know gives you a very straightforward and quick assessment of of how large those numbers are. Yep. And so that sixty one percent figure and that forty five percent figure, how do they compare historically? And is that starting to reach a point in the cycle where you could arguably say this is uh, uh, a high percentage historically? It is a high percentage. So 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 the 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 plus one year. 
um, uh, supply not spent is actually at all time high, right? So roughly at this point um, is is when the previous uh, bull market started started to go up, right? Which doesn't mean that you know the same will happen uh, now, but 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 I think that um, it gives you gives you a very good indication of of how you know how much confidence there is of you know a a a movement up from now on right whether this is next month or in a couple of months ahead um i think there's 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 a lot of of, of investor confidence there um same thing with uh, the the two years right which is currently at 45% i believe um um i think the uh, the all time high is is a bit below 50% so in currently it, it is increasing so there is definitely um increased uh, hodling behavior that we're currently seeing on chain excellent and let's chat a little bit about the behavior of whales right so i saw you had a great mm-hmm. post about this recently you have defined yeah. whales as over 1000 bitcoins and so can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about what are the whales doing and how do you figure them out versus whale versus exchange yeah yeah so so i think um the exchanges um, for, for the exchanges, you know, we have a database where we um, over time we're capable of labeling addresses that are controlled by by exchanges. Right. That is in part that is public information, but a lot is actually based on, you know, heuristics and, and, and clustering algorithms that that we apply internally. And so setting those aside. We look at um, all other entities um, that um, actually hold um, or they're controlling um, 1,000 Bitcoin or above, right? And those are the ones that we actually define as, you know, whales um, that are that are that are you know controlling their their own uh, Bitcoins. And um, and so uh, what we have seen recently is that this number traditionally, you know, has has been going down. The number of of of, Bitco- of, of, of whales over the last couple of years since 2016 or so um, has been you know slightly going down. Um, and and what we have started to see um, since this year is 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 a shift in the strength of you know more whales actually um, um, actually appearing um, right um, but I think the the more interesting part of all of this is that this is um, essentially um, what we've seen is that this is essentially inversely related to the amount of um, Bitcoins that is being withdrawn from exchanges, um, and um, it's it's not just you know that um, that those are inversely related, but that we actually see that those bitcoins are going into entities that you know hold that are essentially classified as whales, right? Um, and that number is right is it's it's not increasing significantly. But it's a clear um, change in 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 the trend, um, and so this is something that we're closely observing. So, Raphael, if I understand you correctly there, could it be then that some, in the past, whales were leaving their coins on exchanges and now they're learning to self-custody? Is that one way to interpret that or how would you interpret it, that? It, it can be. I think, I think you know, um, uh, th- th- there is, uh, it, it's probably too easy to just, you know, to just um, um, uh, reduce it to, to that. But but I think, um, uh, you know, actually, well, we believe that at least to some extent, that um, that withdrawal of, of of funds from exchanges um, is is potentially you no know, a setup of of really confidence that you know um, they will be holding their coins for a large amount of time you know in anticipation potentially of 
of um, you know of a bull market, right? Um, um, I think potentially there is also a lot of um, uh, you know uh, education going on of of people understanding actually that uh, that the, the key that the keys that they don't control um, that you know that essentially means that it's not their Bitcoin. Um, you know how to to what extent uh, this is actually the case with whales um, um, in, in this case, um, I, 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 I can't tell. There's potentially a percentage of that that, that plays in, in there as well. Sure, sure. Uh, and also from your article, I noticed you were essentially spelling out that it looks like there are more whales, but their yeah. number, the, uh, sorry, rather the amount of coins they hold is coming down over time. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's more like um, the the there, there's more whales exactly, but um, those whales are smaller as compared to to, to previous periods, right? Um, so so this is there's sort of like a, a, a slight shift. It's not a very very significant one, um, but 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 again, it's it's one that we're um, closely looking at um, in 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 order to see you know where where where, where this trend actually evolves uh, within the next couple of weeks and months. Right. And I guess this stuff is quite interesting because there's the technical kind of quantitative aspects of it, but then you might have a qualitative thesis around that also. So, for example, we probably we should expect over time just naturally that, you know, when Bitcoin started, it was just Satoshi and Hal. Right. So obviously it was very Mm -hmm. centralized in those days. And then over time, you would expect it's it's decentralizing out. And so I guess this Mm -hmm. kind of aligns a little bit with that idea that we've got more whales but each of them have less of a share of the overall pie of bitcoin right yeah yeah i think there there might be indications uh, towards that right and 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 you would hope that this holds you know for the for the network um as a whole um but um but but then on the other hand right this 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 very extreme hodling behavior that that we're seeing really shows that there is simply a lot of confidence a lot of investor confidence in 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 you know in future price appreciation right um and that of course um uh well leads to to you know to investors not wanting to spend their bitcoins if there's there's they don't want to spend it then you know there's probably less chances for others to 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 get into uh at least you know within the within the same 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 amounts of of, of bitcoin um and um and, and and what 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 we see with uh, with whales as well is that um you know, to, to to sort of you know sort of like show the the other hand of of all of this is that right? So we we identified roughly 1,800 um, whales, and those are holding um, over five million Bitcoin, right? So there is there is quite quite some centralization within you know those big players, right? Um, which you know you can argue well yeah that 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 doesn't show the 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 this decentralization that we would want to see going forward um but uh, that at the same time really shows um this um this 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 confidence in in you know this this big players to actually hold on to these large stashes of of bitcoin that they're they're controlling great let's chat a little bit about Coin days destroyed. So, what is that, yeah. and what does it mean if it's going lower? So, coin days destroyed is essentially defined as um, the amount of uh, the volume of Bitcoin that is moving um, on chain uh, multiplied by um, 
the days um, since uh, since those bitcoins that are moved are now being moved were moved last time, right? So um, as a simple example, if I have bit two bitcoins today that I'm spending and those tier two bitcoins were uh, moved last time ten days ago, then coin is destroyed is twenty, right? Uh, so coin is destroyed is really a nice metric that shows you the um, essentially when large stashes of old bitcoin are are being moved on chain um right and so um the the uh, the, the current uh, metric is essentially showing that this is very low right which goes hand in hand with uh, you know this narrative of people are hodling because uh, most of what is being moved um on chain is is very recent um, Bitcoin. Right, I see. So for instance, that would mean if coin days destroyed is very low in that instance, then it means it's only the recent coins moving, not old coins. Uh, exactly. It's 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 not the old stashes that are being moved, uh, but but very recent uh, bitcoins, right? So there is essentially two components that go into into coin is destroyed. The volume and um, the age of, of the Bitcoins, right? Um, and and those sort of like the interplay of those two is what makes um, a coin is destroyed high um, um, or low. Um, and so, um, yeah, but but if you look at the the, the average um, uh, lifespan of, of, the, of Bitcoins that are being moved, um, this is something that is very low as well. So, so coin is destroyed. The, the reason why it's so low is because it mostly is because um, it's, it's very recent Bitcoins that are being moved and not, not all stashes. What is HODLer net position change? HODLer net position change. Yeah, that is um, an interesting metric that was essentially put forward by Tour Demister and, and Adam and Capital um, a while back. Um, and it, it is one that is um, related to um, to Coinbase destroyed as well, and uh, where the intermediary step is liveliness. So I think when we talk about hodl net position change, we first need to talk about liveliness. So liveliness um, is is a metric that that was um, created by Thomas Blumer uh, a while back, um, and and what this tells you is. Um, is it compares essentially coin days destroyed to um, all all coin days that have been ever created, right? It's a metric that um, oscillates between zero and one, and uh, that increases as um, as a lot of coin days get destroyed, right? Which is sort of gives you a sense of how the vividness of a blockchain or the the, the you know how active it is, how lively it actually is, right? But another way to look at um, liveliness is, is uh, from a hodler perspective so as liveliness goes down this means that um that the uh, that that more more uh, coins are actually being hodled because it means that you know less coin days are being destroyed right um and 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 so if you if you take liveliness um you know you subtract it from one multiply it by the circulating cir- uh, um, circulating supply you get to a number which actually tells you the amount of of huddled and lost coins, which is currently um, at 7.5 million BTC, right? And that amount of 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 huddled and lost coins, uh, you know, which is then moves essentially inversely to 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 liveliness, um, because um, as a lot of coin days are being destroyed, that metrics actually goes down, um, and as coders accumulate, that metric goes up. 
um, if you now take um, the the monthly change of, of of that metric, this is the net hodler position change, um, which uh, which which actually gives you an indication based on on coin is destroyed and based on lifelessness, um, how much um, hodled, how much coins are are being hodled, right? So again, you know, before we had how much supply hasn't been moved in um, X amount of years. This is another way um, to to look at um, hodler behavior um, uh, through through this metric. Another aspect of all of these things is to look at also what the price was at the time these coins were moving and then try to understand are people sitting in a profit or are they sitting in a loss as well? And I understand you, you at Glassnode also do some of these sort of statistics. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely, and there's there's many of those that are that are very interesting. And you know, one of the objections that I've been hearing about, you know, this hodl coins is is that you know people actually uh, saying, well, those are mostly um, you know investors that got in uh, when you know at near the top, and so of course they're now um, you know at a loss and they're waiting for the price to go up. But if you actually look at um, for instance, the supply that is in a profit or the number of addresses that are in a profit, those numbers are currently, you know, oscillating between 75 and 80 percent. You know, if you think about it, like 75 percent of the supply is in a state of profit. If you compare, you know, when the time at, at, at which the UTXO was last created and and uh, it, the, the price at that point and the current price, um, then, then, then that's that, that's pretty crazy, right? I mean, um, if 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 people, if all of those were to to all of those people could be cashing out today, and they would be cashing out in 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 profit, but they're not doing so, right? So I think this this gives more even more weight to this, this to this huddling behavior by really um, looking at, at at the amount of supply or the amount of UTXOs or the amount of, of entities that currently are um, in a in a state of of, of profit, um, and uh, and I think those those are yeah the, those are very bullish um, indicators um, if you if you put both of them together. Absolutely, I think it's uh, really phenomenal and just really fantastic to think about when you think that seventy five percent of coins uh, of those coins are in a profit and they don't want to sell right now even though they could and i mean exactly there's other things going on right now they could be selling right now but they're not and that's an interesting exactly yeah. yeah yeah i think there's a lot of that, that shows just a lot of confidence uh, people are you know are are really um you know taking those opportunity costs of saying um i i am confident that the, the price will um actually um, uh, you know, see some some appreciation, and that's why I'm not willing to 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 spend my Bitcoin today. Excellent. Uh, also, wanted to ask, what is reserve risk? Reserve risk is a very interesting metric as well. Um, put uh, forward um, a couple of months ago by um, by Hans Hauge and Ikigai Fund. Um, it's it's a very interesting metric. Again, related to um, to coin that's destroyed. Um, uh, so, so, and and the, deriving it is a is a is a bit complicated. Um, uh, a lot of nuances there, but um, let me try to, to to explain it on a high level uh, to give you the intuition. So, if you look at Coindesk uh, destroyed, um, and you compare it to the circulating supply, then Coindesk Coindesk destroyed most of the times is is below the circulating supply, right? Um, and um, or if you look at the value of Coindesk destroyed, which is you know just Coindesk destroyed um, denoted as USD, it's mostly 
um, below the current market cap. Um, and there is only a few occasions where there is actually where coin is destroyed actually exceeds um, the market cap. And this is where we're sort of like, you know, moving towards the top of market cycles. Um, now, the way to think about this, if you now compare market cap and and, and the value of coin is destroyed is is you can you can view this from a, from an from the opportunity costs of an investor to say, um, I'm not willing to spend um you know my bitcoin or to sell my bitcoin today right so the the opportunity costs for me uh today would be you know nine thousand three hundred dollars or whatever that is right i say um i i i'm confident in in a price appreciation and so these these are essentially you know the the opportunity costs now what you do is you you take the difference between market cap and 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 the, the value of coin is destroyed, and you um you you have you create a cumulative sum over all the opportunity costs ever created across you know Bitcoin's history, right? This is what what is called the the hodl bank, um and um and if you now compare the if you now take the ratio of the market cap and and the hodl bank, this is what actually gives you the reserve risk, um, and what the reserve risk really tells you is you know how confident are investors that the price will appreciate. So if the reserve risk is low, means that the price is you know, comparatively low and hodler con- confidence is very, very high. So the risk reward, reward ratio is, is, is very good. So these are essentially um, a really good points in, uh, to, to get into um, yeah, entry points uh, to get into Bitcoin, if you will. Yeah. And so looking at reserve risk, where we are today, where does it sit? Just just for our listeners to get a rough idea. It's 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 very low. So it's very um, um, and it it has been within, you know, the, the last couple of months. It has been very low. Um, one of the reasons, of course, is because a coin is destroyed is really so low. Right. So all of these metrics, to some extent, are somehow, you know, um, they, they they sort of like, like are related to each other, um, and we've been in this area of 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 you know of of investor confidence for quite some weeks uh, now throughout uh, 2020. So um, it it really shows that that um, that you know uh, investor confidence is is extremely high, and and hodlers are expecting uh, prices uh, to go up from here. Uh, On the long term, bit- of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, Looking a little into the future, imagining, let's say, more people started using, say, Liquid or Lightning, would that impact your ability to do these kinds of analytics? Or is it just, as in currently today, these Lightning and Liquid are a little bit bit smaller, and so you can't do it, like it's not going to impact your work as much. But would that impact your work in the future? It will. I think it will. I think um, there is, uh, you know, as... As, as liquid or as lightning uh, gains adoption, um, the dynamics of, of the chain uh, will change, right? The, the, the people, uh, the, the way people and, and users uh, will be interacting with the blockchain um, uh, will change. So, so um, I am, I, I think right now in, in terms of, you know, metrics that are uh, market related um, and they, we, we've started to look into, we believe that, you know, the influence um, at this point is, is is not very large so there doesn't yet make sense but but i think as as we see adoption within uh, you know those those um second layer um then then we we might have to 
to you know to to evaluate the impact of of those with respect to to on-chain activity and what that actually means for the metrics um, that, that that we actually offer and that we create and and the way we actually look at um, uh, Bitcoin um, at, at this point in uh, in time. Excellent. And so, just I guess with Glassnode in general, what are some things that listeners should look out for in terms of things coming or things that you guys are sharing? Yeah, sure. I think um, we're uh, we're working on many exciting things. Um, many of those are actually related to really identifying, you know, these different um, markets participants or you know network participants um, when it comes to uh, you know exchanges, miners, hodlers, whales, um, and 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 really understanding on a more granular level what are the dynamics between those. How do they evolve over time? What is the flow of funds um, actually uh, between all of those? Um, and um, there's there's just so many ways in which you can you know adapt these metrics and adjust for them in order to get a more and more clear picture of and, and better signals, right? Really, that separation between the signal and the noise from from on-chain metrics. So this is something that that we're putting a lot of um, of effort onto, um, and um, and I think there's um, uh, yeah, from things that we're working on, a lot of um, really exciting um, stuff that is that is coming up um, within the next couple of, of weeks and, and, and months. And we usually um, uh, release um, you know uh, content and, and and metrics on on a weekly basis. So um, much uh, much more coming there uh, within the next couple of, of weeks. Excellent. So Raphael, where can listeners find you online and find Glassnode online? Yeah, I think uh, the best way, um, as as it is in the Bitcoin world, is is on Twitter. So at Glassnode and uh, for 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 our company and at Neocortex uh, with a three instead of an e um, for myself. Um, yeah, just hit us up there, give us a follow, or just um, uh, write us a, a DM. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Raphael. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Likewise, Stefan. Thank you for the invitation. It was a pleasure to be here today. Awesome. And listeners, you can find me as always at stefanlevera.com. That's it from us. We'll see you guys in the Citadels.